What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, that's where we're going to be today um, as we finish out the seven churches. And so uh, how many of you guys going to the dentist? Raise your hand. It's not anybody. Anyway, there's a couple of you. So the seven churches, kind of like going to the dentist where it's like, open up your mouth. I want to check out what's going on. And so this last one here, boy, you got a root canal. All right. So I'm just letting you know, this is the seventh church and Jesus is coming at this church because there's some issues and some problems. And so uh, let's go ahead and read the text together before we get into it. All right. If you're new here, Uh, Bow down, we uh, go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through books of the Bible. We don't do topical teachings, not that we're against that, but there's a lot of things you'd miss if you don't go by line upon line, precept upon precept. So Revelation 3, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, Revelation 3, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and your garments so that and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love. I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Jesus, you are. The yes and amen. You are the faithful and the true witness. You are the God who created everything. This is who you are. And we come to you now. We come to you now, Jesus. We open up our hearts. We ask God that you would just give us ears to hear. Lord, this is a hard word. This is a hard text, but this is what you are saying, Jesus, to your church. And I thank you that in this letter, you are knocking at the door. You're desiring to come in. You're telling those who are lukewarm, hey, you can buy from me. You can buy from me. You're telling us that you love us, so you're rebuking us. 
God, I just pray for our church that we would be a church that would love to be rebuked, that we would love to be corrected. Help us, God, to be humble. As your word declares, it's better wounds from a friend than kisses from an enemy. Jesus, we are your friends because of your blood, and I pray that your wounding today would, would do its work. So we just open ourselves up from you now and, and help us, God. Help us, God. Forgive us for making you an idol, Jesus. Because again, these are your, your words that you're saying to your church. And so help us to receive them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um. <clears throat> Verse 14, to the church in Laodicea. This is two Greek words here. Uh, Leo, meaning people. Decea is where we get the word ruler. So people ruling. Listen, Christianity is not a democracy. This is hard for us sometimes. We want to say in stuff. Listen, when you come to Jesus, he's God. He's Lord. You're not. That's part of the gospel. He says to follow me. You're no longer leading yourself. You've relinquished leadership as you've come into the kingdom. And so this church, Laodicea, the people were ruling. Uh, Nick, go ahead and put up the the chart for us just so that it's already there. So we can see kind of where we are in church history as we've been going before. We've been talking through these seven churches. Not only were they written to specific churches back then, 2,000 years ago, but they also speak of the church age. And right here, right now, we're in Laodicea, the last church. Last week, Nestor did a phenomenal job talking about the Philadelphia church. He did an amazing job. Well, why was the Philadelphia church, there were no rebukes in that church. The two churches that didn't receive rebukes were Smyrna because they were under persecution, and persecution purifies, so the Smyrna church wasn't wasn't, uh, uh, rebuked. And then we have Philadelphia. Philadelphia, why weren't they rebuked? I've been asking God that question. Why, why, why? Here's what I believe. The, 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 that church there, the missions church, they had just come out of the Reformation. So they got their Bibles in their hands. Their printing press happened. And they had their King James Bible and a candle in their room. And that's all they had. That's it. They didn't have anything else. And they were happy to get the Bible. They were happy to be in a room with a candle and reading that Bible. And there was these great missionaries like David Livingston and Hudson Taylor and William Shepard who who was born into, into slavery, but yet he led the first cause, international rights campaign, in the country of Congo because they were cutting hands off slaves over there and here's this guy coming out of the virginia mountains born where when 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 he was released out of slavery as an african-american he was the first mission missionary to lead a human rights campaign in the world why because he had his bible reformation We get our Bibles, and all of a sudden, that Bible and that Bible and that Bible, we live in an age where we kind of try to water down the Bible. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10. See, the missions movement, they, they acted on this verse, and we want to talk around it. We want to excuse around it. We don't want to deal with what it is. And that's very dangerous today, as this is the lukewarm church, and Jesus says, you're neither hot or cold. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Sometimes we don't want to move around the word of God. We want to let it go in. We want to let it cut deep. So God, what are you saying? Mark 10, 28. Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything. And we followed you. That could be said of the modern missions movement. When the Moravians left to go on missions, they packed all their stuff in a wooden coffin because they believed they were going to die on the mission field and not come back. The passion of the day. The passion of, 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 of people leaving uh, on a boat for six years, leaving their wife and family at home and not seeing them. Look at what Jesus is saying in verse 29. Truly, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. Jesus isn't telling you to get a divorce, but he's saying sometimes the mission may cause you to leave your family. And in the missions movement, man, people were leaving their families for years to go share the gospel. There was a passion. We're in an age we talk around that. But here the early disciples said, no, we did that. Peter had a wife. He left his wife to follow Jesus. He didn't divorce her. In fact, they visited. But he was willing to go. It's a hard sayings of Scripture. But when you just have the Bible and a candle and you don't have 26 commentaries to work around the Bible, you might actually do what it says. Hey, this is a hard saying. Well, let me go find a, a commentary that's going to help me digest that. And you need to be very, very careful because the best commentary is the Bible. The best commentary for the Bible is the Bible. I want you guys to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 24. In the missions movement, right, uh, there was, <laughs> like, like, like you, you would get the newspaper every few months, if that. There wasn't a lot of advertisement. There wasn't a lot of marketing back then, right? There wasn't things popping up on your phone. You weren't getting notification because there was no phone. Mail was delivered on horseback. Things were slower. There wasn't a lot of distractions. We live in an age where there's a lot of distractions. And those distractions water down the fire that God wants to stoke, that flame in us. The advertising, the, the, the television. Man, I get my news and I get my news every single night. I'm going to watch the news. Do we need to do that? But we're accustomed to it. These people in the 1800s didn't get their news for a, for a month. And they made it. They made it through, the, through life. So here we are in Matthew 24. 
I want you to look at verse 7. It says, for nation will rise against nation. Uh, that word in the Greek is ethnos, will rise against ethnos. Uh, why is this important? Why is the Greek word important? Because just look around in the past few years, ethnicity against ethnicity is going to get worse. Church, be very careful when people want you to find identity in your ethnicity. My identity comes from Christ and Christ alone, and that's what I stand in. I want to be hidden in Christ. Mark those who are wanting you to get identity from ethnicity. The New Testament does not tell you to do that. Be very careful. Matthew 24 says, there is going to be a ramping up of racial tension and racial wars. Do not get into that stuff, church. We are one in Christ. He broke down the wall of separation. Be very careful when you start taking a side. Be very careful when you start finding identity in your ethnicity. It's not in the New Testament. Kingdom against kingdom. That's what's happening with Russia and Ukraine right now. There's going to be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. So birth pains increase. They, 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 ha- they, they uh, go up in, in frequency. They go up in number. I want you to go down to verse 12. You're going to see in the last days lawlessness increased, a rebellion when people just do not want law and order. They will have no respect for authority. And, and, and what's going to happen, 24-12, the love of many is going to grow cold. It's going to dissipate. It's going to go down. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Go down to verse 37, please. It says, for as were in the days of Noah, Matthew 24, 37, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus is giving us insight of what it's going to be like when he comes again. Right? There's going to be racial tension. There's going to be wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. Uh, there's going to be a love that, that is going to grow cold, and people are just not going to like each other. And now he's saying it's just going to be like it was in the days of Noah. Verse 38, in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah went into the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Jesus is giving us insight of what it's going to be like in the last days. And we can look around and we can see, okay, yeah, this is pretty amazing. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that. We can look on a map and we can study in the last hundred years, earthquakes, you can go do it at your own time, and you'll see they're getting greater in number and greater in frequency. There is an uptick in earthquakes over the last hundred years. How did Jesus do that? Because he's God. And the Bible, especially prophecy, shouldn't be encouraging to the believer because we can know and understand, hey, our time is near. We need to be getting excited. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 12, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, By the way, what we read in Matthew was written 2,000 years ago. What we're about to read in Daniel was written 3,000 years ago. And you're going to see, wow, 
man, this is pretty amazing that the Bible's able to do this. Daniel chapter 12. Verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So one of the markers for the last days are many shall run to and fro. Well, what does that mean? Here's what I believe it means, is that for the first time these last hundred years in the history of the world, we have now the ability to jump on the plane and run to and fro all over the earth. We can go anywhere and everywhere. You used to be able to could not do that. And then what's the next part? Knowledge should increase. We are in the information age. Knowledge has so increased, right? We're doing heart transplants. We're sending people to the moon, right? I mean, the knowledge that has increased has just ramped up because of the computer. How would the Bible know that? Well, again... God wrote the Bible, God knows everything, that knowledge will increase in the last days. Now, here's the problem. Laodicea, information age. Today, at the end of the service, I'm asking everybody to come up to hand me their cell phone, and I'm going to check your screen time. Okay? That's what we're going to do. All right? Everybody good with that? I'm just, I'm kidding. Actually, again, again, There's so much stuff that bombards us. And Jesus understands that. Hey, hey, Martha, Mary chose what's best. Somebody does have to do the dishes. But Mary chose what is best, being at my feet. And I believe because of the technology, because of everything that we have, the marketing, the this, the that, the phones, the TVs, the computer, it can just be a time suck, a life suck, where the Philadelphia church, a candle and a Bible. In fact, here, here's, here's what, another issue we have in our church, right? Oh, the ESV, NASB, New King James, King James, New Living Translation, Passion Translation. Here's why you shouldn't read the Passion Translation. And we're all caught up on one translation. They just had one translation in the mission church. And before we know it, the fire is out. Help us, God, to be focused, to not be like this Laodicean church. little history about this city of Laodicea was a real city. It was a very wealthy city. There was a lot of bankers. There was gold refineries, and there was eye salve that they saw. That's what they were known for. They sold that. They were also known for their soft wool. There was this black wool that they developed that was really, really soft and really expensive. They were known for that. They were so rich. There was an earthquake that came in AD 64 where they said to the government, hey, we don't need your help. We got this because we're rich. We don't need you. That's this church of Laodicea. 
On one side, six miles away, was Heropolis, and they were known for their hot springs, which were really, really hot. But then on the other side, 10 miles away, was Coloss. They were known for their cold springs. And so Jesus is speaking to this church, saying, hot and cold, you're right in the middle. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It was said by historians that they had to get water from the mountains to bring it down. And by the time it got down, it was just tepid and not cool, not like Coloss where it was this spring, cool spring water. And Jesus was saying that to them. Now, these seven seven letters that we've went through in the church, they apply to each and every one of us. You can go, and I encourage you to do so, through all seven, and say, Holy Spirit, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? You need to do that. It's like going to the dentist, but Jesus is a good dentist. He's free. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also, church, if you call bow down your home, I pray that you would go through these seven letters. And it's real important. What's it say in Matthew uh, chapter 7? It says, hey, uh, be careful how you judge, right? Make sure you get the log out of your eye. So that, you, so, so that when it's out, you can get the speck out of your brothers. You've got to get the speck. So, so go through it first. God, what is it in me that has to go? But also, what is it in Bow Down Church that has to go? I'm thankful for Rick Merrill, who's one of our elders here. Um, he served on our elder board for many years. But he came and he said, hey, guys, listen, we're doing way too much outreach. Way too much. And we've got unhealthy sheep that are not being fed properly. And so every church is going to have a different issue. And this is why the flock of God, if you look through these seven churches and you say, man, bow down, I think needs to look at this. Bring that to the elders so we can pray through it. Why? Guys, all of us are going to have to stand before Jesus. And we want a pure bride. We want to be like Philadelphia, no rebuke. I'll take Philadelphia over Smyrna. Smyrna was persecuted. That's why there was no rebuke, because when you're persecuted, it purifies. So I'd rather be Philadelphia, guys. So we need you, church, to go through the seven and say, okay, God, what is it? What what in here has to do with bow down? Okay, that's how you become part of the body where you care about what's going on, not just leaving and bad-mouthing a church, but that you see what's wrong and you come close. Whom I love, I what? Rebuke. Verse 14. Also, when you come with a problem, make sure you're ready to be an answer. Anyway, 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning... And that word uh, in the Greek is A-R-C-H-E. It means source or origin. So what this is not saying is that Jesus was created, but that Jesus was there at the beginning. He was the source or origin of all that is created. Cross-reference Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, which says all things were created by him. Uh, John chapter 1 
uh, verse 3 says, all things were created through Christ, right? So Jesus was there at creation, and he was creating. Now, why these three names? Why the amen? Why the faithful and true witness? Why the beginning of God's creation? Well, I believe it's this. Number one, amen, faithful and true witness. He's speaking to a church that needs some encouragement because they are lukewarm. And so understand where you're at, but understand I am the amen. I'm the yes and amen. Everything in Christ is yes and amen. I'm also faithful and I'm true. I'm a true witness. I'll be faithful to you. As long as you're true with me, I'm going to be true with you. And I believe he's encouraging this church to come to him. And why creation? Well, I believe we live in an age where Darwin and the teachings of Darwin have basically said to a generation, God didn't create anything. And in this church age, he's saying, no, 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 no. I created all things. I created all things. And not only that, to a person that is lukewarm, guess what? I'm still creating. I want to create in you a clean heart, a right heart. I want to renew a right spirit within you so the God of creation can come to our lukewarmness and bring revival. This is why you might be here today. He wants to create something new in your life. Verse 15, Revelation 3. I know your works, you're neither hot nor cold, Would that you were either cold or hot. Jesus is coming to this church, and he says nothing good to this church. Nothing good. And all the other churches, he had at least something good to say, but this church, he has nothing good to say. Nothing. I was always taught when you confront somebody, you give the good and then the bad and then the good, and that's how you do it. You end on a positive note. Do you feel like I heard you? Did I say anything to offend you? Jesus, he doesn't do that psycho stuff, right? That psychology babble stuff. He just comes in. If there's nothing good, there's nothing good. And I've had meetings with people, okay, where there's nothing good. And I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to dance around. We're coming right for the jugular because there's nothing good with that. And people come, Chris, you are a little hard. Yeah, I know. Revelation 3, 14, on down. Go ahead and read it. Sometimes you're called to do that, where you leave people in their stuff, We don't want to do that, though, do we? Be careful of a false grace. There's a lot of false grace in the church. Do you know what would happen if the prodigal son, somebody kept giving him five bucks on the corner every day? He would have never ended up in the pig pen. Well, Chris, that's not nice. I'm not trying to be nice. We're not trying to be nice. We want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes giving someone something because they're asking is actually hurting them and enabling them to continue in their behavior. 
that doesn't sound Christian. Well, you haven't read Revelation 3, 14 on down. This, this church here is like they're on the fence. One foot in, one foot out. Early in my walk with Jesus, as I had my new Christian friends at church, but my old friends that I used to party with, I'd go party with them. I'd end up falling because of a fear of man and a love for myself and a love for pleasure and a lack of love for God. But then I'd be around my Christian friends and they would, they would help me, but I was back and forth, back and forth. And there came a season in my life where I had to say, you know what, I got to disassociate myself from these over here and I just got to hang with these over here because these are making me strong in the Lord and I'm not strong enough to hang out with these. And a lot of us are half-stepping. It's like working on a team with somebody who's not committed. I was watching an interview of Kobe Bryant, and there's people on his team on the Lakers that he would not pass to. And somebody said, why not? He's like, because they didn't work hard. They don't deserve the ball. Yes. Well, guess what? Sounds like Jesus, actually. They were unwilling to do anything. They're out partying the night before. He's up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He doesn't trust them enough because they didn't put in the time. They didn't put in the work. I'm not passing to them. No, look, over here, that guy's working. He's getting the ball. We don't like that, Chris. That's okay. Verse 16. Because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Man, where do we go with that? I know you want me to talk around that and bring in some grace. I'm not going to do that. Just let that sit with you. Just, God, let that burn with me. The reality that there may be some here today that you're going to stand before God and he's going to spit you out of his mouth. And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. You loved the world more than you loved me. You prayed that prayer one time at the front, but then you didn't want anything to do with me. It's a hard saying of Jesus. And there's a fear of the Lord that should come upon the church like, Oh, man, am I lukewarm in any way? Am I double-minded in my walk, in my life? God, show me, show me. God, reveal that to me so that I can repent. So a question for you that you need to ask the Lord, and you need to sit with him, why am I lukewarm? Go ahead and put up that picture, Nick, please, of the zebra. This is why a lot of people are lukewarm, because, because they're disobeying Hebrews 10, where it says, as you see the day drawing near, as you see the day approaching, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren, so that you come together and spurn one another on for zeal. Do you know the enemy wants you isolated? 
He wants you away from the herd. You know why? Because there's safety in the herd. When you watch lions, they try to get the the prey away from the flock, away from the herd, so that they can get you. And there's a lot of people that are lukewarm because they're offended by the church, they're offended by the preacher, they're offended by, and you can keep going, so they just don't come. It's not for me. It's me and Jesus in my closet. And the reality is we can deceive ourselves. Jesus sent people out in twos for a reason. He had the 12 for a reason. They were clicked up. They were together. You're not supposed to be alone and isolated because you and I have the the propensity to justify our life. I'm prone to justify. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. In fact, if you're here and you're like, oh, so-and-so needs to be here. I wish so-and-so was here. They need to hear this. Don't do that. That's the danger in this. When you take a pot off the stove, the room temperature brings it down. The elements, the elements of this world. Look, we are not children of darkness, right? Colossians 1.13. I rescued you from the, cho- from, the, from the children or the domain of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of light. So the world, the world will cause the fire to go down. The culture of the world will cause the fire to go down. But in the church where the kingdom is, the kingdom of light, when light comes together, it grows. Jesus says, you're light of the world. As we bring our light together, they grow. the flame grows. You're the salt of the earth. One piece of salt's no good. But you put them in a salt shaker, guess what? All of a sudden, your food tastes good. Unless your wife knows how to cook and you don't need salt. But anyway. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this hard saying of Jesus? You ask, God, am I? Quit looking at what you're doing. Quit comparing yourself to others. Quit comparing our church to other churches. Right? That's for those who are members here, right? Like, okay, God, what do I do? What do I do? I ask the Holy Spirit to assess. Let's look at verse 17. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered. Understand that lukewarmness was made worse by their self-deception. Christ is rebuking them for their inaccurate self-assessment, just like the rich young ruler. He says, I've obeyed this, I've obeyed this, I've obeyed this, and then Jesus says to him, hey, there's one thing you lack. Go give all your money to the poor and come follow me. Now, in Mark, I love Mark the best because it says Jesus looked at him and loved him, but because he loved him, he didn't just say, 
Okay, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, we'll work on that. You come back here, rich young ruler, maybe only give 50% this week, but then 100% next week. No, he didn't do that. He let the guy walk away sad. He let the guy deal with the hard word. And the saddest thing is, is that rich young ruler, he walked away from Jesus. You're here today because you may be lukewarm. You may be, be on the verge of being spit out by God, but listen, don't you walk away from Jesus. You take that hard work, that hard word in me, and let it do its work. Yes, Lord, is there anything? Is there anything? I can't assess myself apart from the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to justify my way. I will look at somebody else and say, man, I know I'm doing better than that guy. This is, this is what happens when, when guys are struggling with pornography and they're in a group together and they're holding each other accountable. The guy who's winning victory, all of a sudden he begins to look down on his, and that's never God. That's never God. But we do that. That's our tendency as followers of Christ. And Jesus is warning us. You say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, verse 17. Man, I want you to go back to Revelation 2.9 real quick. On the surface, Smyrna, which was the persecuted church, they were very poor, nothing in their bank accounts. They were on the run. They were being hunted down. Uh, they were under a, a, a ma- a mad persecution. But, 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 but how did Jesus see them in their poverty? They had a natural poverty that they were in. Jesus says to them, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you're rich. Be very careful of assessing where you are with Christ by what you have. I'm blessed and highly favored. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. There is a danger of affluence. Right now in America, you have more amenities than King Solomon, who was the richest person on earth, had. He didn't have air air conditioning. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a TV. We have to be very, very careful of that. There's a danger in affluence. Nick, if you go ahead and put up that picture of uh, my daughter and I, we were on a date. And I had a friend, uh, he worked at this place called Rybovich. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Rybovich, but they have these huge yachts. You see that big yacht behind us? Yeah. Uh, $100 million boats, $200 million boats, really, really expensive boats. And so I had never been over there before. Uh, it's about a mile away from here. I didn't even know that place existed till my friend got a job there, and he let me behind the gate. And so I had the freedom to take my daughter there for, for dates. And while I was there one day, I was just kind of looking at these boats. I mean, like, like huge boats, three levels of decks, jacuzzis on the back. I'm like, oh, man. And my buddy says to me, Fred, he says, hey, Chris, you know what those are? I said, what? He's like, those are artificial reefs. They're all going to go down one day. And I want you to actually turn to Revelation 8, please, because I didn't realize how right Fred was and how biblical he was. Revelation 8, verse 9, listen to this. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. So guys, go fishing today. That's a word from the Lord. Tell your wives. 
a third of the ships were destroyed. So maybe that's going to be one of them that goes down. I don't know. Guys, everything that you see is going to come to nothing. Don't be enamored by it. Don't think that your affluence is that God is blessing you. Because in the poverty of Smyrna, God says, you're the rich ones to me. There's a false prosperity gospel in our world today that you need to be careful of. You think that because you're getting this, 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 God is blessing you. It could be the enemy using wealth to lead you to a place of apathy and complacency because now you're rich and you don't need God. How do I know that? Deuteronomy 6. Jesus, the, the, the Lord brought the Israelites into the, 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 the land of, uh, of Israel. And he warns them, uh, Deuteronomy 6, Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt because of the wealth I'm about to give you. So sometimes God gives the wealth and we forget about him as well. So you have to be very discerning in our hearts. Listen, when we planted Bow Down, right? And, and, and there was eight people coming. And... And I'm preaching my heart out. Then a year later, nine people are coming. There's this praying and fasting and seeking God's face, this desperation, because we need you, God. We need you. We believe this is what you've called us to do, right? The poverty made made me rich. And I continued to pray, by the way, God, if there's ever some success... I want to fail so much in my life that if I ever do get success, I'll know it's not me, it's you. So I pray for failure more than success. Because I don't want my heart to ever think I have anything to do with anything that God does. It is all him. I do not want to be apathetic. I do not want to be complacent. I do not want to think that I am rich, that I am in need of nothing. No, I need you, God. I am wretched. I'm pitiful. I'm poor. I'm blind. And I'm naked without you. I can do nothing apart from you. Help me to believe that and help me to fail so much that I believe that. And that should be the cry of every disciple. I was laughing, my, my, my son, early on when we planted the church, he had this homeschool thing at Christ Fellowship, and he went into the building on the Gardens campus, and there was this huge big tree, and the kids, whatever, this huge tree. And I'll never forget this, he comes home and he says, Dad, do you know Todd Mullins? And I say, yeah, son, I've I, I met him a couple times, I don't know if he'd, he'd remember me, but I, he's like, Dad... You should see this tree they got at their church. Meanwhile, we got like 25 people coming to bow down, right? He's like, Dad, he knows what he's doing. You need to go talk to him, Dad. You know? So it's really encouraging for my own, you know, a prophet's without honor in his own home, guys. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 but listen, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad for the failure. I'm glad because I really do believe 
If anything happens, it's going to be God, not me. <laughs> if it, this sermon's so bad that if anything happens, it's going to be Jesus. Thanks for not laughing that loud. I'll write a book. Help me to fail. All right, verse 18. Nobody buy it. All right, I counsel you to buy me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see the grace of God. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to buy from him. I encourage you to jot down Isaiah 55 and just go take a Take a, go to the park and, and just journal through Isaiah 55, where it says, come buy from me. Why do you spend your money on what doesn't satisfy? Why do you waste your time on that? And ask God to give you a pure heart that you would come to him for filling, for satisfaction. See, my tendency and our tendency is like Adam, who will try to cover ourselves with fig leaves. We'll try to do things in our own strength. And God says, no, no, come from me. Come by from me. Verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. So be zealous and repent. Nick, if you can throw up my scribble. So I had a, a person come to me. And I'm thankful that he came to me because that's what we're supposed to do. But he said to me, Chris, um, I believe your preaching is not encouraging enough. Right. And so I said back, I encourage you to repent. I'm just kidding. I didn't say I didn't say that. I, I, I listened. I listened. Believe it or not, I do listen. I listened and I tried to humble myself and it was really, really bothering me that somebody would say I'm not encouraging enough. It, wo- it was wounding to me. And I dealt with that for a few days and then I had a day off and I'm like, Lord, am I, am I, am I? And so the Lord led me to do something. He's like, I want you to go through the seven churches because that's Jesus speaking to his church. And I want you to write down hard sayings, commands, rebukes, and warnings and just jot down every one that you see from me because I'm speaking to my church. This is how I want you to speak to my church. And then I want on the other side to write down encouragement. So there was 48 rebukes, commands, hard sayings, and warnings and only 24 encouragements. And then I went through... Uh, the book of Luke, because Luke, that's where Jesus is called son of man the most. And so like John, that is the gospel of John where Jesus is God. The book of Luke is where he's the son of man. So if I'm going to be like the son of man, then I want to be, I want to do what you do, Jesus. And so I began to jot down and there was 394 hard sayings, commands, rebukes, and warnings. And then on the encouragement side, there was 97. I totaled them all up and it happened to be exactly double, right? 442 to 221. Basically, 66% of Jesus's communication was hard sayings, commands, rebukes, and warnings. And 33% was encouragement, okay? So with that, all of a sudden, as that was bothering me because I want to be someone that represents God right, I began to get a little encouraged because I know I rebuke a lot. I still need to encourage more. But 
again, let me encourage you to repent. You're lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I love you, but repent. And so we live in an age where Jesus has been watered down. He has become an idol in our own image and likeness. I don't like that Jesus that tells somebody in John chapter 5, after he heals them, stop your sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. I don't like that Jesus. That's not my Jesus. I'll be very careful of that. I want to say what God wants me to say. I want to say what God wants me to say. That's where we should be, guys. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. This is the intimacy that Jesus wants with you. In ancient days, if you ate with someone, it meant that you were deep fellowshipping with them in union with them, that they were as if your family. Jesus wants intimacy with these people who are lukewarm, who, who, who deserve to be spit out of his mouth, but he's knocking saying, I want in because I love you. Let me in, let me in. And that's the cry of the Holy Spirit today. He's like, let me in, let me in. Don't harden your heart. Please, I wanna come, I wanna come. Verse 20, one, to the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. And also, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, you can write down Ephesians 2, 6, because it says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus wants us to sit with him. More intimacy right there. He's calling us. He wants us to be with him. To the one who conquers, I want you to jot down Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Say that with me. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. One more time. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. One more time. I lied the last time. Now, really, one more time. We are. Amen. More than a conqueror means you already won before the battle started. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 5, please. Revelation chapter 5. Through Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. Look at verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has what? He's conquered. He's conquered. As you stand in Christ, Christian, you will conquer anything and everything that comes in your way. You cannot conquer apart from him, but in him you will conquer. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 12, please. He has already done it. He has already conquered. The finished work of the cross, as you stand in Christ, you will conquer. But as he's conquering in and through you, you have a part. What's your part? Thanks for asking, Revelation 12, 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, appropriating the blood of Jesus Christ over your situation. And by the word of their testimony, they're speaking out truth. They're declaring the things of God. I'm a more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. And then here's the hard one for us. This is why we get lukewarm right here. Because a lot of times we love our life and we're not willing to die. 
And so we don't have a lifestyle of conquering because we're trying to save our life. And Jesus warned about that. You're going to lose it. Our king wants to conquer through you. Our king wants to shake nations through you. But that starts with you denying yourself, taking up your cross. A cross is where you die. It's excruciating. I want to rest in this conquering lion. I want to rest in this one. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 22, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is where I want you to turn last, please. Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. We're going to close with this. Verse 9, I want you just to really, really, really think through this. Pray through it. Because the reality is, a lot of times, we can't receive what the Holy Spirit is saying because we need inner healing. We need wounds healed. We've been hurt. We've been traumatized. We've lived in a culture that has worn us down. But the Holy Spirit is here today. Prayer partners will be here today to pray for you. If you've become lukewarm because your, 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 your pot has been off the stove, it's time to put it back on. If there's something that you're holding internally that, that, that you just can't receive, if there's something that's blocking, understand God is here. He's in this place. But, but, but yet you have to understand God is going to do what he is going to do. Look at verse 9. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. There's a lot of people that can't receive. And it's not because of the pastor's message, by the way, because Moses was a pretty good he, 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 got five, he wrote five books, guys. So most were pretty good, right? It wasn't the word that he brought because he brought the word of the Lord. It wasn't the word. It wasn't the messenger. It wasn't the word. It was what? The people. So look, you might not like this whole message. Listen, let me warn you. That's why we're ending here. There may be something in you that has to die today. There may be something in you that has to go today. There may be something in you that is so offended, you need to come forward. You need to get prayer because I don't want God to spew you out of his mouth. We all, every single one of us, all have to stand before Jesus one day and he's gonna say, why should I let you in? I pray there's no one here that he says, away from me, I never knew you. I pray there's no one here where he says, I'm spitting you out of my mouth because you never really, really committed to me. You faked it the whole time in church. You never surrendered to me. You never wanted me. You just wanted fire insurance. You just wanted to pray that prayer so you could go to heaven when you die. You never wanted anything to do with me. And he's speaking right to your heart today because you are in danger of being spewed out by Jesus. This is why you're here, because he loves you. And he's rebuking you out of that because he is faithful and he is true. There's nothing false in him. And everything is going to be laid bare in your life as you stand before Christ. And so worship team, come on up. Prayer partners, if you can come on up, let's pray. Oh, God, what a hard passage today. And we just don't want to move off of this. We don't want to move off of it, God. 
We just ask, God, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We ask, God, that you would search us and know our hearts to see if there's any ways that are wrong within us. You understand why spirits are broken. You understand why people compromise. You understand why people go after other lovers. But you're calling your church today to, 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 to just say, yes, I'm, I'm going to be hot or cold. I'm going to be on this side or that side. Either, Jesus, I'm going to live my life apart from you and away from you. I'm going to do what I want. Or, Jesus, I want to be all in. And I can't stop. I'm like a dog returning to its vomit. I can't stop. Please save me, Jesus. I do not want to be spit out. God, with that heart, there'll be grace because you're close to the broken. You save those who are crushed. And so, God, I pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to bring revival today. That you would have your way with your bride so that she is fixed upon you and you alone. Bring revival, Jesus. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.